Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to discuss the offense from the Commanders game, that uh, game that finally broke the Ravens' long winning streak. Apparently it's important nationally now. If you didn't listen to that broadcast, it's the greatest preseason game ever now that the uh, the Ravens <laughs> lost it anyway. But here to jo- join me and talk about the offense is Voss Laricos. Voss, how you doing? Doing great, Ken. Doing great. Um, really looking forward to the way the roster's coming together, taking shape, uh, Pretty excited about the additions that uh, Eric DaCosta made last week. Yeah, it's uh, definitely addressed some significant needs. I think we're going to talk about a couple of the offensive position groups here in terms of uh, how things are progressing and where they might end. Uh, we won't hit on all that until the, the the last game. We'll do some roster analysis at that point. But uh, let's talk about the streak first because all we have heard for a long period of time from any other source outside of Baltimore's the streak doesn't matter or they downplay the streak in terms mm-hmm. of the importance or they criticize Harbaugh occasionally for you know playing to win instead of playing to develop and using the other thing that preseason is for avoiding injuries etc cetera, etc cetera. uh it's very interesting last night that the Ravens sat out 35 people in this game you see how many players the uh, the commander sat out uh about 15 or so right 12 yeah Mm -hmm. very good so (laughs) it was there was a very little (laughs) big change in terms of uh who we who wants that i thought it was very interesting that joe buck talked about getting that text from papa the giants announcers about Mm -hmm. how interested he was in this game (laughs) i think i think this time of year anything that has any type of meaning to it Mm -hmm. the uh national media will uh try to make a storyline out of it because most, there isn't a lot to uh, to take away from the preseason, you know, wins and losses and trying to make it a dramatic game. Um, as far as the streak, I think I'm personally a little bit happy to see it go because I just thought that the storylines around it were kind of overshadowing, you know, what we're really trying to accomplish in these preseason games. Okay, so but are you are you truly saying that it's the storylines are overshadowing and you'd rather hear news about what the Ravens are trying to do? Or are you saying the Ravens are allowing the streak to affect how they're game managing in some way that is negative? I don't think too much of that. I can't think back on, you know, 24 games, 
really any instances, I mean, that you, Harbaugh was doing something that was out of the ordinary to preserve the streak. It was a nice thing to have. You certainly like to win the games. I think there is that value, as he kept mentioning, of some of the players that maybe never uh, made it to the league or made their mark in the league, but they contributed to to a historic streak. So that's a cool part about it. Um, just kind of tired, of tired of hearing about it, tired of talking about it as if it was something more than it really was. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. I thought I thought one of the things that was nice about it was talking about the Ravens' continual outstanding drafting and defensive depth they brought to the table, and that was certainly a big part of this streak. And something actually that's missing from this team is the is the defensive depth to sustain such a streak. You know, and I I thought at least that was an interesting thing to kept talking about it. And if I'm really searching for things that the Ravens did differently. The only concessions I can come up with in the last couple of years to try to extend the streak were the play of Geno Stone and Daryl Worley being kind of out of place for the typical second-half players that you'd have on the field in each of the P1 games the last two years. But that's really grasping for a pretty far straw. Right. We're not talking about, you know, first round picks starting players that are uh, that are out there. You're talking about backups. Maybe you have your backups are a little more experienced than normal, but uh, that's how the Ravens just generally operate. Um, I do think uh, this may be a stretch, but I do think there is some correlation between uh, Daniel Jeremiah had a saying, I believe it was last year. He said depth wins in the regular season stars win in the playoffs. Um, and I think if you take that, maybe another step back depth really, really wins in the preseason. Um, so the team isn't quite built that way. They're a little bit more top heavy this year than they have been. Um, so maybe that some impacts, uh, you know, the preseason not being as prepared for the pre, but maybe they're more prepared for the postseason potentially. Yeah. If I didn't really know where the Ravens weaknesses were, <laughs> I'd say they probably are, but you know, they're weak at cornerback and that's a position where, you know, being strong in the preseason and being deep there is a good place. Being deep on the defensive line, and that's been a been a good thing to, to has been good during the during more during the preseason. But I'm 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 really concerned about the depth of cornerback at this point and how they're going to unravel that. This isn't the the offensive show. Sorry, this is the offensive show. It's not the defensive show. So we want to focus on the on the offensive side of the ball. Let's let's move on for a second. Talk about the backup quarterback battle that's going on and i just used air quotes if you couldn't tell from just listening to the uh, uh, pod there josh johnson a great night in game two not so great in week one um in terms of his play do you think there is a a true question between johnson and huntley at this point or even the possibility that they would keep both i don't think they're going to have room to keep both i just there's no Unless you go to eight offensive linemen somehow, which I don't think is a good idea, um, I don't see both. I do think there's a, a small crack in the door that Johnson could maybe uh, take over for Huntley. He's dealing with that hamstring injury. I think it's probably going to come down to Todd Monken's preference, and that has been kind of the rumor that Monken likes the uh, veteran stability and the experience potentially of Johnson versus Huntley. Uh, Huntley may not fit the offense, Monken's offense, as well as he fit Roman's, uh, particularly with the arm strength aspect of it. Um, I would, I do think Huntley's the front runner, but uh, it wouldn't be shocking. Okay. All right. It's a, it's a, was certainly an interesting week two from Johnson. Uh, he, he did have an interception. It's really the only deviation from, from pretty much a perfect day for him throwing the football. Uh, but that was pretty much all on Prochet from my 
point yes. of view. Yeah, went right through his hands and. I, and, and, then he, and then he kept it in bounds. Yeah. <laughs> if you, you know, he could have knocked it out of bounds even. But yeah. did, did it did it look like to you? And I never really saw the angle that showed this directly. That it went through his hands and then off his right thigh and bounced back to the to the defender at that point. It's just sort of. I mean, yeah. it was it was almost like a, like he was trying to do a trick catch and <laughs> he left it up in the air for the for right. the corner to, to pick it off. I mean, it probably a little bit slightly underthrown, but uh, he should have made a better play for sure. Yeah, that's uh, a good point. That was a little bit underthrown, and I, I, it's an interesting point you make about Huntley not really fitting the offense directly because it's not an obvious conclusion that that would be true. It's, uh, but it, it does kind of make sense that uh, Johnson will have a little more arm strength. But if you really wanted, if you really thought Huntley didn't fix the offense, it's almost like you'd go out and get somebody else. I mean, Jacoby Brissett, who the Browns brought in in the second half, might be a better guy for a Monken offense, for example. And uh, I'm not saying that he's available or anything. He might not have been right. in terms of, of what the Browns would have done, but I'll tell you this. It was, it was, uh, I thought it was very surprising that the Browns were not able to move the ball on the Ravens effectively threes with mm-hmm. Brissett in the game. I'd agree. I'd agree. I think uh, Brissett is one of the, you know, the top backups in the league. I don't know if has that reputation. I'm not sure his, uh, his play is necessarily warranted that. Um, I believe there were there were rumors that the Costa was kicking the tires on. I think it was was it Baker Mayfield uh, before he went down to uh, Tampa. Um, you know, I, I do think it's reasonable to say we're we're running a somewhat different offense now, and we're looking for maybe a little bit different skill set. So uh, you know, Lamar Jackson is you know the the better version of Huntley. Maybe Huntley doesn't have the uh, the arm strength that Lamar does. So maybe that could be something, uh, you know, ultimately as far as future value, there isn't a whole lot on either of them. Perhaps Huntley just could net a comp pick. Uh, if things went a, a certain way this season, I don't think you really have any future value out of Johnson. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So the comp pick is one thing that I really hadn't included in the, in the calculations here. There's a $1.5 million savings, for cutting Huntley and going Johnson. Exactly. It's 2.67 million to 1.17 million. So you, you, you have that savings. The tenure, other than the fact that he's coming up on a potential conflict situation, is not a consideration at all as far as I'm concerned because there's no future value from either player. They're all market years you have to pay for in mm-hmm. the future. So the fact that it's 37 and, and 27, I think you look at it and you just say, well, who's going to be better this next year because that's really all that matters. But the conflict is another consideration that I really should have thought about originally and with a quarterback you could get an overpayment there from by somebody if he comes in and wins a couple ball games yeah it's it's potential you know i wouldn't make that lead the decision i think you want to have your best your best option available if you know lamar is out for a couple games in the middle of the year that's really what you're looking for with this with this position to fill Mm -hmm. All right, so we'll uh, we'll continue to watch on the quarterback battle. How are you expecting the, the team to? Who are you expecting the team to play a quarterback in the third week? I think we we'll probably see all three of the of the backup options. I think they probably want to, unless Huntley's hamstring is, is still nagging him. But I think you know it is a new scheme. Uh, I think you'd like to see where how they how they fit into it. Okay. 
do, do you need to see more of Brown at this point? I mean, the reason you see Brown is because you don't really want to risk the other two to me, because I don't think Brown necessarily has a place on the team at this point. Well, you know, and that's actually now that we're talking through, maybe you you don't showcase Brown to to try to give him a better shot of sticking on your practice squad. Mm -hmm. The other the other consideration that we mentioned earlier was do they keep three quarterbacks? You said don't don't really see room. There is a a, a uh, incentive to do so this year by having a third quarterback on the 53 man roster. You can, you can have him as an emergency activation on game day and you can bring in, if your top two quarterbacks go down, that's such a disaster scenario. You know, you don't, nobody ever <laughs> wants to think about it and maybe it's not worth considering other than in a playoff game. Say. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, so my understanding is this cannot be a, a practice squad activation. It has to be on. He has to be on the fifty-three. That is correct. So at that point, I think uh, I don't know. I think the 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 other player that you could keep on your fifty-three is probably more valuable than having that option. Yeah, and and I would tend to agree with that as well. Uh, let's talk about what we learned from the deployment order today, mm -hmm. because there's there's some on offense in uh, in particular. And there's always some good things you learn from deployment order as I search frantically for my deployment order sheet. All right. This uh, may have gotten away from me temporarily, but I will find it. Uh, start in terms of the uh, – uh, I always like to start with the offensive line, but we can start anywhere you like in terms of uh, the order that uh, that we saw players on the field. Sure. Let's, let's go to the O-line. Um, you know, we saw the unit – that they've been using primarily. Um, Mustafer played well into the fourth quarter mm -hmm. uh, as the center. Um, Cleveland played the entire game between right guard and right tackle. He did not mm -hmm. log a snap at left guard, correct? That's correct. All all right guard two series, left guard two – sorry, right tackle two series, back to one right guard, and then all the rest at right tackle. Um, and Salah was well behind Simpson. Mm -hmm. uh, that's probably the biggest note. Um, any any other offensive line? Uh, well, we, I mean, obviously, none of the starters or McCary played. We've got to toss that out there first. I guess the other interesting things at left tackle where we saw Sharp for two series at the beginning of the game and then a series at the beginning of the second half. And I, I, I had some questions about that originally, and I'm thinking maybe that related to playing with each of the two quarterbacks a little bit. But also, I think they they have Sharp. It, it leads me to believe that Sharp is the third emergency option, meaning that I guess it's the second emergency option because McCary will be the first guy who is up at left tackle, and then Sharp might be second and not mm -hmm. Falalele. Now, we, we've seen a fair amount of Falalele at left tackle, but he's always played behind Sharp in terms of the order of entry. And just there's something that is telling me here that even though they hope to stash Sharp on the practice squad, because there really isn't room for him on the on the 53, um, that they would go to him if anything happened and, and McCary, both Stanley and McCary weren't available. That's a, that's an interesting point. Then I think that's a fair conclusion from this deployment order. I, I hadn't necessarily thought of that, but uh, that makes sense to me. Yeah, and Falele uh, looked pretty good in the first game. Honestly, I saw a return to some of the bad habits in the second game. We get into that a little bit in the in the second thing. But one thing I've just – it's a bugaboo with me is Falele is, is he's an enormous man, and he, he likes to mirror without contact, which means he gives ground to try and mirror rather than strike at the opponent. And 
you know, mirror through contact. And mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it drives me up the wall for a guy his size not to use it, you know, not to have that good independent hand usage, not to be playing pinball with both flippers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, my notes were mixed on Fowler Leg and Cleveland for that matter. I thought, mm -hmm. I mean, you'd have some good, good, good block there or, or good anchor there. And then the next play, uh, the reversal, a positive note, then a negative note, back and forth, back and forth. Both of them, I thought this game. Yeah, it, it uh, nobody was nobody was perfect on the offensive line except for one guy in this game. Actually, Mustafa had a very good game too. I, I I've I've got it, but there was one other player we'll get to in a little bit who who looked terrific. Um, okay, uh, so we know who sat out on the off offensive line. How about the deployment order at other positions? And let's just do a little look around the way. So we saw. Correct me if I'm wrong. Tariq Black before uh, Demas. Um, so Same I drive. thought that. Same drive? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then um, – so I think those are probably your two front runners for the practice squad receiver. Um, I, I, at least that's what I took away from this. And then the, the, the third-string offensive lineman did not get too much run at all. Um, they, they were inserted well into the fourth quarter, which was another, another note. Uh, tight ends were as expected, I thought – and uh, running backs as well. You know, Melvin Gordon is not necessarily pushing Justice Hill for uh, for his for his job. I, I don't believe that's true. I think you know the issue is Keaton Mitchell, and I want to talk about the running backs in a in kind of a uh, their own segment. We can do that right now if you want, and then come back to the deployment order. Um, but the running back situation is a very difficult one, and. I, there's no doubt in terms of how he's paid there's, and how he's played. There's no way they're cutting Justice Hill. He's a good player. He helps him on special teams. And he, he is right now providing that burst to the outside we all hope to see earlier in his career that we, we saw more power than we expected, but less burst, I would say, than we expected. Yeah, he had a really nice game. I've been a Justice Hill. I guess you call me a Justice Hill truther for a few years now. Had a nice inside run, tough run on the inside. Then he had that swing pass where he got the first down, and then he had that big uh, gainer off the corner all in the first drive. He was kind of the man making the engine engine hum on that first drive. And I think there's a world, Ken, this, this might be a little bit of a hot take, but I think there's a world where if he didn't ever got hurt in 2021 when Gus and Dobbins were both out, he would have been up close to the league lead in rushing yards that season. Yeah, that's not impossible to leave. I mean, he's a he's a smaller guy, so that's not typically the way that's done. But hey, it's Roman's offense, so yeah, it's possible. Uh, and certainly, yeah. the guys they had in there weren't getting it done. The tendency would have been to lean on Hill for more and more in a year like that. So yeah, I, I could see that for sure. Um, Gordon, we talked about a little bit. Uh, you talked about a little bit primarily earlier, not really pushing Hill for for playing time, but the guy who is certainly is electric every time he comes on the field is Keaton Mitchell. And I, I don't know. I think he is scarfed on. He's one of the few guys that I think will be certainly scarfed on cut down day or the day after on waiver day. Um, if they cut him, I, you know, the Mizell and uh, who's the other guy, the uh, Mostert. Are Bobby the Rainey. Well, I'm thinking Mostert actually yep. was the other guy. Yeah. Mostert, so we're yeah. talking about speed guys who get taken as soon as you cut them and the league still craves speed all over and, and we'll, uh, we'll do that. But Bobby Rainey would be another, you know, example of a player who, who had something of a career elsewhere as well. But, but Keaton Mitchell, I mean, do you, 
how how do you see him in terms of his uh, his uh, situation on cutdown day? I think he's going to make the team, and I think he should make the team. And I think looking forward ahead to next year, um, Justice Hill, Keaton Mitchell, and potentially a mid round draft pick with a little bit of more of a in the Gus Edwards mold. I think that's be a nice core of running backs. You know, you have you're going to have to find places to save cap space in the future. And there's no better no better position on the roster to do so than running back. But I think Mitchell, um, I'm a little obviously he had that that huge uh, gainer on that draw play, and he also had a nice kickoff return. Uh, looked like he misplayed a punt, um, which I don't know. He looked like he was going to catch it, and then he let it bounce at the last minute, which was a little bit uh, concerning. But that was him and not be, Crochet, right? I believe I thought it was Mitchell. Okay, you could be I right. I think there's there was there was two. This was the one where Mitchell, I think the ball was downed around the 12 yard line, and then Prochet had the other one that was down deeper. I think it was okay. like five. Uh, but Mitchell, um, you know, potentially, hypothetically, if there is if they decide they want to move on from Duvernay and save that money and he can handle return duties, he could be one of the one of the 46 to dress every week. Okay. So you know, it's an interesting thing because Duvernay really impacts your running back room if you're talking about that. And uh, I, but just, I'll tell you, my, my own personal viewpoint is I really love the Ravens four speed guys. I think that mm-hmm. if you ever had an offensive coordinator who could really make use of this, I mean, it's there was some use of it during the Roman era because you needed a speed guy at a sidecar to help drive your offense for Lamar and spread the field for him to make plays. But it, I think that Monken is probably in a better position to come up with route schemes that free up space in the middle of the field and make those speed guys incredibly dangerous. And the other thing I'd like is for Flowers not to be the gadget guy. I think when you don't have him as the field stretching guy, um, you're really losing out on an opportunity to take a safety out of the play. Sure. Not to mention uh... – Injury risk uh, on some of those gadget mm-hmm. plays. I mean, if you have other players that can do it, and, and Flowers is your only one with that really burner downfield skill set, you want to preserve that. So, you know, I, I am uh, I'm bullish on Mitchell. I liked him pre-draft. I liked him mm-hmm. post-draft. And uh, I think he's a good player. He's a keeper. I think he's a keeper. That, that electricity, that juice he brings, and the agility as well to, uh, you know, that's, that's not available on the street. Yeah, kind of shocking to me that he wasn't drafted, given who he was. I mean, he had you know he's a lot of elements you'd like, and I guess what it really comes down to is there's no team out there who really trusts him as a pass blocker very much, and and it takes away his possibility of being on the field on third down, from at least in the eyes of a number of teams probably, uh, and that that obviously that is a significant factor that that Hill gives you a lot more of that in terms of uh, the ability to do a little bit of pass blocking and some receiving things on third down. My problem with Hill is I don't think he's exactly on that efficient frontier either of mm-hmm. a good enough receiver to go with a good enough pass blocker. I think you want you 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 want somebody who's who, who gives you a good balance of both of those things uh, or or you completely sacrifice one for a lot of of the other. And mm-hmm. and I don't think Hill is really is on that efficient frontier. Yeah, I, I probably agree with that. You'd like you still want to see more out of him as a receiver. Um, so I don't know. I'm still holding out hope on on Hill, but uh, on to Gordon. Um, you know, he just he's an old back. He doesn't have a lot of juice. He gets what's blocked for him. 
Um, he's a reliable guy. He's like a Mike, the Mike Davis of this year. I didn't see a need for him when they got him. And by all indications, they don't have a need for him at this point. So fortunately, I don't think there was any guaranteed money in that contract. Or if anything, it was very minimal. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't remember uh, to the effect that if, if he's anything but a vet minimum deal, I would actually be quite surprised. I think it was, if I recall, Dan said maybe it was 100000 200000 more than the vet minimum. That's all. Nope, zip, at least as far okay. as they have on OTC. So he's a, he's a $1.165 million cap savings versus the uh, if they cut him. So it's even better. Yeah, not, but, not unexpected. So is there a chance that Harbaugh or somebody says, but we want that veteran stability and they do opt for Gordon? You know, I kind of think the answer is no, because Gordon's history of fumbling is one that Harbaugh abhors. A fumble in the preseason, I think, would seal. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The deal. So, yeah. so that would, yeah, that would be it. But, <laughs> but if you think, if you look forward and say, when the first fumble occurs, is it going to be caught anyway? The chance is not zero. I mean, yeah. I, you know, if, particularly if the Ravens have Keaton Mitchell on the practice squad at that point, they may just say, you know what, this was a bad idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. just, uh, they do have some things, I guess they could do with a player like Gordon if they want to re-sign him prior to week two if there's no interest mm-hmm. in him. So, I mean, they have some things, some flexibility, and that could be Keaton Mitchell's way onto the roster is that uh, not exactly that, but that he's one of the 54 through 57 players, which means he's any play from him is deferred until week four with the injury he's got. Now we don't know how serious it is yet, but it might be a case of, of something that would uh, potentially keep him out four weeks, which I believe doesn't keep him out of practice more than one week. Um, but uh, I might but be wrong I'm not sure the shoulder. Yeah, hopefully it wasn't serious, but sometimes those little stingers uh, work out in your favor if you are able to stash somebody. I just look at Gordon. He was released in the middle of the year last year and spent the, mm-hmm. the playoffs on the Kansas City's practice squad, so why would he Why would he not be able to stick on your practice squad now? Right. You're saying, well, yeah, why would anybody else take him? And I agree. Yeah. Everybody's had a chance at him. He's working for the vet minimum already with no guarantees. Why is there a need? And the only answer to that question is that the um, the replacement level is a moving target as it declines and somebody else has a running back need, then Melvin Gordon becomes a viable option, as do every other practice squad running back out there. Sure. Sure. All right. Uh all right. So let's see. I, I want to go back to the deployment order because there were some things at other groups. So the, the tight end situation, uh, Vokalek has gotten, first of all, a ton of, of um, targets in camp. 
an absolute ton. Mm-hmm. He gets he gets a lot of the third team reps. Uh, a lot of the there seems to be a lot of a safety blanket nature mm-hmm. to him because he's so big. Uh, also, a lot of the defensive highlights have come on him being targeted. Some because they come from the, those lesser quarterbacks, but also some because uh, uh, you know he, he's running routes over the middle where if the ball gets tipped or if it's a little off off target, it can become an interception uh, by that means, or, or, or even somebody can just hit him to dislodge the football. But no denying he had a hell of a game on Saturday mm-hmm. night. Is there a possibility of a fourth tight end on this team? I don't think they have room for four tight ends. I think there is a fourth tight end, and his name is Patrick Ricard, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the battle right there. It is Ken Vokalek push Ricard off the team um, or Kolar, but I, I don't know. I think I think Kolar's third in the pecking order. Ricard's fourth, and uh, Vokalek is fifth, I would say. Ricard essentially lined up as an inline tight end on most of the plays that I uh, logged in this game. Um, so that's one of those, can you save some cap money without losing too much blocking up? Can you 80, 20 in essentially with local act? Right. So, you, and that's a possibility that certainly would give you a receiving option. Ricard really showed he had a great blocking game this, this, mm-hmm. this week. So it's, uh, he's got, he got that it's, he's back look about him in terms of, mm-hmm. of what's going on. If if you if you get 25 spaces for the offense, and typically this is the way it always goes, is it's 25, 25, and three on your 53 mm-hmm. with three uh, specialists, of course, then you probably would define it as two quarterbacks, four running backs, plus Ricard, plus mm-hmm. three tight ends, mm-hmm. plus and uh, okay, and it's Ricard or Vokalek. Like you're, you're saying nine offensive linemen and six wide receivers. Yes, that's my breakdown. Yep, I just put one out on bottom of beat down yesterday. Okay. All right, very good. So, and and you don't see a ten offensive lineman situation, even though the Ravens do seem to have additional depth there that it would be painful to lose. I think the tenth offensive lineman is the fifty fourth man. Um, that's the hardest. That's the, that's the hardest uh, final spot for me to peg right now between uh, Mustafer and Cleveland. And I, I would like to carry ten, but uh, but when you have four running backs, uh, you can't really do it. So unless you want to devote more numbers, but uh, I think they need they need numbers on defense right now, strength and numbers in the in the secondary. Yeah, that's certainly where a lot of their special teams unit comes from is the is the secondary and linebacker room, and much less so on this team from the offense with the offensive receivers being guys who. You don't want out there on special teams. Neither of the free agent wide receivers, I don't think, are going to play special teams. I guess they might. I don't think. I don't see them having Aguilar cover kicks. I just don't see that. Mm-hmm. And and then uh, Bateman and uh, uh, and um, Zay Flowers, obviously, you're not Flowers, using special no. teams at all. And then Stuvenay, and and he's only a return man. He's not a coverage guy of any sort. So that doesn't give right. you. That does not make any contributions to your kick coverage unit until you get to Wallace. Wallace, right? And he's the sixth guy. Don't know if he gets taken. I'd be skeptical. I mean, third-year guy has less than 10 career catches, and he went in the fourth round, so he wasn't highly coveted. These, A lot of these other teams, are they just take so many receivers in the draft that they all already have six. Some teams have seven wide receivers they like already. Huh. So, Actually, I kind of forgotten that what you just said is Wallace is a third-year guy, not a fourth-year guy. I thought he was a four this year, but – He's a little bit of sand in the hourglass still that you don't want to give up on, and certainly he's had a good preseason. 
Yeah, you know, just on the on the on the you know gunners and jammers between Hill and Wallace and I guess Seymour. Um, those are probably your main your main three as far as filling that role. Yeah, they've got other. They've certainly got other people who can jam because that's what press corners are yeah, used right. to doing. But but in terms of gunners, they want. I I agree. It's Wallace and Hill are the two guys on the team, and then I don't. I don't really know who it is after that. I'm, it, it's, it's probably maybe it's a Warley or somebody like that who could be a gunner. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting, uh, it'll be an interesting set of roster decisions when it comes down, comes down to that. And then we, I guess we've we've hit on the wide receiver group. There's a number of of guys uh, that are backups on, in the wide receiver room. We're going to talk about each of those a little bit, and we can get to maybe uh, where they fit on the practice squad when we get into the second half of the uh, of the show here. Uh, in mm-hmm. terms of what's going on with that, um, does it is there anything that worries you about as shorthanded as they seem to play on the offensive line in these preseason games? The way this has gone, um, and and specifically, I'm, I'm I'm talking about in terms of what they're asking some of their potential backups to do by only having I think it was 27 snaps among the bottom four guys on the offensive line in the whole game. Now they didn't play a lot of snaps total in this game. Right. Um, I was a little surprised Mustafer didn't give way to uh, what is it? Thomas was yeah. the third string center until until that point. Uh, I do like having Falile and uh, Cleveland just getting as many reps as possible. I think that gives you the best view, view uh, opportunity to see what they have. Do how how much how well does Falile fare left tackle? Cleveland at right tackle. Um, you know I don't necessarily see it as an issue not giving you know uh, Manning and uh, some of the other you know really third string guys too much of a look at this point and that also again the less you show the more likely they are to uh, stick around in your P squad yeah well there you go and we're gonna we're we are gonna see a lot of those players in the third preseason game I presume because I think uh, John Simpson will not play in this third preseason game would be my guess I think we'll see a fair amount of Salah still and um uh, we'll see a fair amount of Faalele, Cleveland, probably more Manning, and then players like Tykeem Doss and Sharp and others that uh, that have not played too much so far. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a pretty good group with a lot of versatility. I think, you know, you have your two dedicated centers, and then pretty much everybody else can play two, three, four different positions. Uh, maybe we move on to another topic here, and this is an interesting one that we just kind of have touched on a little bit. But we've we've been through two preseason games now. What have we really seen of the quote unquote Monken offense to date? And I can, I mean, I could pick out and say, well, they played a lot of eleven personnel instead of right. instead of twenty one, um, and they haven't played a lot of thirteen. Uh, maybe have they played any? Maybe a little bit, but but not basically. They haven't. That's not what they've been doing. But by going to 11, it's pretty much the only thing I can see that they've really monkinized. Most of the other stuff, whatever that might be, we're not going to see till the opening day, and we haven't seen the players to do it. I don't know. If we won't see it till week two. I mean, I don't think they're going to un- open up the, the hood for uh, for Houston. They're going to saving they're saving some things for Cincinnati. I guarantee it. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I agree with the uh, well. That that was my note. Lighter personnel <laughs> okay. to to uh, on the outline here. That's the, that has been the big difference, and um, you know, some maybe it's due to Likely's injury to some extent, but mm-hmm. uh, I think they do want to 
you know, it is a change. It's going to be a more voluminous passing offense and a more spread offense, and they want to give the, give everybody more experience doing those kind of things. Any concerns that you have over the relationship between Lamar and Monken? Go ahead, go first, because there's, there's a concern I have that's, that's fairly direct here. Between Lamar and Monken? Yeah. So we've, we've been, we're hearing everything. I'm not sure if – yeah, we're hearing yeah. That everything is rosy right now. Uh, nothing comes to mind. I'm interested to, to pick your brain. <laughs> okay, so you know, whenever I hear that, I was like, we're working great together. There's plays coming up. You, do you remember the movie Boogie Nights? That's not before your time, right? No, it's, I haven't seen it in a long time now. <laughs> okay. Anyway, there's there's a there's a scene where Mark Wahlberg and um, and uh, Burt Reynolds are getting interviewed together. Burt Reynolds is kind of the sleazy director of porn, and Mark Wahlberg is the big new porn star. And um, and he says, and Mark Wahlberg says, "Yeah, they they he lets me block my own sex scenes." And, and immediately Burt Reynolds goes, "No, I don't let you block your own sex scenes." <laughs> right, right. And it's just it was a funny kind of a thing. It is, and that's what I hear. What I hear Lamar talking about plays. Now it should be a collaborative effort. They should be able to get together and say, "Let's go after the safety. Let's do this. Let's see if we can move him out of here, create space here." You see Brady and Belichick go down and work together a game plan. They're they're putting together concepts on on how mm-hmm. they will, you know, rate a play. And then I'm sure that they go back to the offensive coordinator and Belichick and they they craft that into an actual offense. No problem. If that's the mm-hmm. if that's how he's you know submitting plays, that's great. But but it, that's that's very positive in that regard. But it's not it's not quite the same thing. The other thing about the about the wristbands. And then not learning the offense because you're parroting the wristbands and the terminology from that instead of really trying to learn what the what each of these concept means so that you visualize it when you hear it. That's a very significant difference philosophically between the two. And I've got to believe that as offensive execution breaks down, that will become more of a point of friction. That Monken mm-hmm. will be more likely to say, look, we got to take this armband away. We, we, we you got to learn this offense better, Lamar. And Lamar's going to say, you need to change the offense in the way I've asked you to so that this becomes. And also, I don't want something so structured, which is the natural thing, that you take away all my decision-making on the field. And I'm not, I'm not even talking about at the line of scrimmage. I'm talking about during the play. Don't give me right. read one, read two, read three. When my, my off-schedule routine is read one, can I run? Read two, can I run? Extend mm-hmm. the play. Mark Andrews. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, he's got a schedule already that he follows. And if, and if you take that away from him, you take away what's greatest about Lamar Jackson is his off schedule playmaking. Yeah. The, his improvisational ability is what separates him. I think it's a legitimate uh, concern. You've heard, we've heard of Aaron Rodgers and some of these other really high profile quarterbacks that butt heads with their coordinators at mm-hmm. times. I don't, think Lamar's that kind of guy, but he is now giving some input into plays and newly paid and the officially the franchise figurehead at this point. But I do think Monkin has been around been around long enough, has some learns how to massage some things. And I did think the wristband item was a was in was an interesting note. And I think um he probably has a pretty good plan of how to assimilate the working relationship reasonably yeah. well. Well, that's that's really the key, and it's that is an area where Monken and not Lamar needs to adapt. Mm-hmm. You know, Lamar will demonstrate by sign what he feels about the offensive coordinator, if necessary. You know, and, and 
Uh, you know, and that's been true of other the quarterbacks, not Lamar only, but we go back to to um, uh, Joe Flacco. He had mm-hmm. troubles with Cam Cameron, and you heard about him. You mm-hmm. hear about him, you know, using Cam's name as almost a pejorative to to you know to say yes, Cam, you know, kind of things like <laughs> hello Newman, kind of thing. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, you, you don't you don't want to. Uh, uh, it's probably not quite the correct use of the term, but it's it's a it's a uh, uh, you know, not not the kind of relationship you want to even expressed in name in that way. And the fact that Flacco had a bunch of offensive coordinators, one per year for that whole long streak, it ain't all on the offensive coordinators. Oh yeah, no question about it. Yeah, but I do think Bunkin, coming from the college ranks probably has a pretty good feel for you know the modern player, which I do think is. You know, some different than than 10, 15 years ago. Um, and I, I like the way he carries himself, and I think the team likes the way. He, like just if you hear the players, not just uh, Lamar, but speaking about him and the way they respond to him, I think that hopefully he's going to be a very positive relationship there. Yeah, and I, I hope so too. And we are certainly in a honeymoon period. Um, yeah, he's he's a box coach, so he's the same as Roman in that way. He's not an on-field offensive coordinator. Uh, that might be more important for managing space, by the way, is to be a yeah. is to be a, a, a box coach. So I do like that about him. And we'll see how this works out. And by the way, let me be clear about this. I'm not saying the relationship is broken. I'm saying I see red flags that could break the relationship in the future. But right sure. now, everybody's happy and winning and scoring fixes everything. Absolutely right about that. I'll make one more point before we move on. I think this may be one of the best positional coaching staffs in team history on mm-hmm. this team right now that they have a lot of players that are, excuse me, coaches, a lot of them were former players that are not only relatable to the younger generation, but also bring a very strong pedigree of, you know, Dr. Rush and uh, Denard Wilson and up and down the line, Anthony Weaver. I mean, they did a really nice job. I think this is one of their best coaching staffs they, they've ever had. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think Anthony Weaver, if he's not a head coach in this league very soon, uh, I would be surprised. He is mm-hmm. – he, he's. I just want to tell this story because he's unbelievably relatable in this specific way. First of all, the guy is what? He's about 45 years old now. He's in the in that range. He was a, he was a draft pick in 2002, so that gives you an idea. So right around 45. Okay. Yep, yep. Uh, so he – he gets out there, and first of all, he's still built like he could jump right onto the field today. I mean, the guy's enormous up top, no sag, not a big gut or anything. I mean, he's muscular mm-hmm. as hell. And and he gets out there and lets the defensive linemen practice their rip moves against him. And so he literally puts his arms right up on the defensive line. It's like, you know, give me your best rip move kind of thing. And and they go at him. And, and when he started doing that earlier in camp, he wasn't even using those long arm pads that they have for the coaches to do that kind of thing. He just <laughs> do it to my arms. And it's, that's a, that's a, you know, you're going to take a bruising from that kind of thing. If you know, you know, what will happen, they may even be letting up on him a little bit because they don't want to beat him up. But that'd be the last thing that, that, that he'd want out there. Then he started using these these longer arm pads, which seemed to make a lot of sense to me. But I still like the fact that he's right in there with the players, you know, saying, look, hey, give it to me kind of thing. And yeah. uh, uh, it, it, how he carries himself at the podium, the way he answers questions, the way he thinks about things. Uh, the guy's very bright. And he is obviously a very relatable leader of men as well. Absolutely. So hopefully some of those assistant coaches could help smooth over any differences between, you know, the organization with the 
OC down to the quarterback and, and those sort of things. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's a very good point. Um, uh, that, that you, you hopefully have a better bridge of communication between a Harbaugh who say might, might be less relatable to the players, potentially given his age, uh, yeah. in particular that to, to, with a set of position coaches say, look, this is what he wants from you. You know, it's just, this is all you have to do to, 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 to satisfy that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I, I like that idea. You know, it's over the years, some of the things have been reported about Harbaugh's behavior within the castle that have been just a little bit weird or shows kind of a, a short fuse he has. I'm going to tell one story that, 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 I, that I have on particular on this. I went to a, to a sweet holder event, and this was back in about 2009, I believe was the year, because after Harbaugh's first year with the team, the team had been very successful. But Kevin Byrne is up there moderating a discussion where Harbaugh and Newsom are answering questions for suite holders who get this as a perk with buying a suite for the year. I don't own a suite. I just happen to work for a company that owned a suite. Yeah. I got two of the tickets that year, so that was that was fantastic. It was great, great to go to that event. They anyway, they uh, uh, talked. They answered Harbaugh answered questions, and Ozzy answered some questions, and. Um, Kevin Bird goes, it's, it's interesting to hear these two answers because I'll tell you, I sit in the office across from blah, 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 and I see Harbaugh run into Ozzy's offense from time to time and say, you know, we got to get rid of blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I see I see Ozzy just sit back there, listen, kind of absorb the, the conversation, and then say, you know, we paid him $12 million or whatever the, 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 the thing might be that's the overriding consideration. And then Harbaugh would go, yeah, yeah, I know. And leave the office. And, and Byrne told that story effectively on him. You know, he's, he's wow. tattling to the sweet older base on this occurring. But I, 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 my guess is Harbaugh, too, has tempered over the years. He's, he's very good about answering questions generally if you stay away from injuries mm-hmm. uh, at the podium. But uh, uh, it, I've I've gotten his uh, his uh, short fuse one time at one of those sweet holder events too. I tell that story another time. But anyway, this is a it, it, he's a tough love. He's a tough love kind of coach. Yeah, but you know he's been with this kind of tenure. I mean he he's earned it. Oh. Yeah. All right, outstanding. Uh, I did want to talk about you know forcing tackles and missing in space, and we saw that obviously from from uh, Flowers in this game. We'll get into Flowers on the second part of the show when we're talking about the individual players and going through those to, to, to some degree. But I am really liking what I'm seeing from receivers in particular, but also running backs occasionally, breaking tackles in space, uh, forcing missed tackles in space by being just a little too fast for the opponent. Oh, yeah. They, nice job changing angles, cutting. Um, I think you're going to have more yak this season for two reasons. Number one, because you have the receivers to uh, to spread the field mm-hmm. um, for the other players in the middle of the field to have more space to operate when they receive the ball. And secondly, because those receivers, the same guys, uh, once they get the ball, they'll create yak on their own. So I think it's a twofold uh, solution there. I think I think something is wrapped up into your second one that 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 is that deserves maybe even more attention is I really expect Lamar to deliver fewer contested targets this year. And so obviously there are a lot of contested Andrews targets the last several years. Um, if if Monken can, he doesn't have to get him all the way in one year, but if he can move him towards a scheme where he has um, ways to read the field like an easy eye puzzle that he's that he can he can see it with the 
wide angle lens, as I call it, and see more than one target um, as a potential on third down. I think that's that's uh, sorry on an extended play. Then I think that will really help reduce the uh, number of these contested targets because that's that's just been a huge problem for the Ravens in terms of cutting down yards per target for several of their primary receivers. Absolutely, and I think just spreading the defense. You know, threatening the defense is the, is the perfect solution for that. All right, outstanding. Always a great conversation with you, Voss. We're going to come back and talk about individual players, MVPs, and some final thoughts on the game in part two. But tell folks where they can talk football with you online. I am at Vasilis Beatdown on Twitter, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown. I'm the co-managing editor at Baltimore Beatdown. And I also have a podcast called The Raven's Way every Thursday night at 9 o'clock. All right, fantastic. And – uh, we will come back in part two and talk to you more. Other folks out there, if you'd like to do a film study short, hit me up on Twitter. I'm always interested in any kind of new idea, any kind of new thought experiment. You have listened to the show. You probably understand how I like to chew up a theoretical discussion topic. So if you've got that, that's fantastic. If you want to do something on franchise building, that's great. If you have a new statistic, that's fantastic. If you want to talk about a player or trade the Ravens should make, love to hear that as well. Uh, anyway, DM me. I'll get right back to you quickly, and we'll discuss the possibility of the show. Boss, thanks for coming on again. My pleasure. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.